G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As you know, we like to monitor along things that are happening in the Middle East and there are particular challenges. Sometimes we talk about the politics, sometimes we talk about the persecution. Well, today, another opportunity to get some insights into what's happening on the ground in northern Iraq and in Kurdistan. Tim Buxton from Flicker Flame Ministry is serving as a missionary with his family there in Kurdistan at this time. And Tim's joining us once again for an update. Hi, Tim. Welcome along. Hi. How's it going there? Tim, uh, there's a little delay on the line and no one will mind that because there you are in Kurdistan. Just describe for our listeners where you are and the circumstances that you are serving in at present. Yeah, we're in the Kurdish region, that's northern Iraq. Uh, we're um, about two hours from the, the, the main city, the capital of Erbil, uh, which um, I'm sure you've heard of uh, over the last few years. It's only uh, about 30 kilometers from the city of Mosul, which is the capital of the Islamic uh, state caliphate in Iraq. So... Yeah, there's a, always a lot of um, tension, a lot of um, issues regarding uh, refugees and IDPs that uh, that are um, that we're involved in here in this region. Tim, there's a lot of talk about the liberation of Mosul from ISIS. Uh, is that creating tensions where you are, and from what you're hearing, close to the action? Yeah, there's there's obviously an expectation that Mosul will be liberated in the next few months. There, um, U.S. has ramped up along with many other Western nations its involvement here in the region. We see a lot more presence of um, of you know they're actually building up an airbase not not too far from us, which I'm sure will be used quite often. Um, yeah, and the expectation, um, quite sadly, um, is that they'll defeat ISIS, but as a result, there will be a further one million people that will be displaced from that city, uh, forced to flee. Um, and while obviously the uh, you know the Iraqi and, and coalition forces go in to, to try and secure that city, um, and who knows at what condition and how it will be left. Uh, should ISIS be defeated? So it's uh, quite a dire thing and something that people just uh, uh, are not looking forward to what, what's going to be taking place. I imagine that it will happen, uh, but people don't necessarily know when. Uh, when you're talking about another million people potentially being displaced, and uh, you might even argue that a million people desperately wanting to get out of the city if Iraqi and coalition forces are endeavouring to win it back from ISIL, many of those refugees will head north to where you are in Kurdistan. Yeah, in fact, it was just a um, a, couple, a week or two ago that we were uh, with some friends visiting the frontline forces. Um, we have a lot of our neighbours 
that served in the Peshmerga, which is the Kurdish army. And uh, we just really felt we needed to go and encourage them and, and stand alongside them and know, uh, them to know that um, we appreciate them holding the line, obviously against uh, ISIS, and, and that we're thinking of them as the as the push goes forward. There's a lot of talk about when that will happen, like you said, as uh, over the last few months, though, as small villages and towns around Mosul have been liberated, there's always already been a, a trickle of about 200,000 people that have 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 moved out of of the region. Um, and so, you know, there's a, a sense that, yes, they'll want to come to Kurdistan, but Kurdistan has already borne the brunt of about uh, all close to 3 million um, IDPs and refugees already. So they're not really in a position to take in more. So there's plans to, to try and bus families out. That the situation is going to be extremely, extremely um, uh, uh, careful how they do that um, when there's human rights and freedom of movement, but also the fact that these are these are families and people that have lived under ISIS, maybe been indoctrinated by ISIS, and many of the the men and adults may even pose as a threat to whatever region they then go to. It's it's very um, it's something that we need to really be praying for. Uh, the people of this region, and also the you know the, the senseless victims that have uh, the victims that have been living under this senseless violence and um, you know control of of, of ISIS. Meanwhile, you and your family are in Kurdistan, and you're performing a servant mission role there. You've been working on a lot of different projects. There's some good progress, as I understand it. Tell us about what you've been doing in Kurdistan with the school that you've been working to build. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little over two years, obviously, since we've got here and, and since the crisis began, and, and families are um, still not being able to return those that have fled. And one of the things we realised was critical and, and so important was that the children involved in this crisis would not miss their opportunity to have an education. I mean, every kid needs to go to school. Every kid needs to go to a place where they can just have fun, right? And so, um, you know, we did start beginning an education program at our community centre that had been built. And, um, of course, with the, with more families coming in, with the need to... Uh, and, and, uh, to you know, provide a better education for these children. Uh, we went ahead and started a um, um, building campaign for a school, and uh, I'm so excited to say that within the next few weeks it'll be complete, just in time for when the school year begins here, um, and an official uh, school that will um, have the capacity to educate up to 600 kids a week and potentially even double that if we... Uh, we build out um, an extra floor, which it has a potential for. So, you know, just really so excited for those that have got behind us. We still have a little ways to go financially, so if there's anyone out there that has a heart to, to get behind us and, and help us educate um, these children here in Iraq, then I appreciate it. But, um, yeah, just excited about, um, you know, that's just one of the things that, that we're working on, and there's other, other things, of course, that, uh, you know, we want to, help with um, in the future. Yeah. We're talking with Tim Buxton from Flicker Flame Ministry. He's serving in a mission capacity in Kurdistan. We'll continue our conversation in just a short while.
Taking a little time to get some insights into what's happening on the ground in the Middle East. Just hours from Mosul, the city that's controlled by ISIS, is Tim Buxton, who's across the border in Kurdistan and in a place of relative safety uh, compared to what goes on in the region. But Tim and his wife and his family are serving in Kurdistan, building schools and in amongst all of the tensions and the upheaval that comes with the influx of refugees across the border. Tim, we were talking about you building a school. One of the sets of people who are real victims when it comes to the sorts of unrest that we've seen there in northern Iraq and what goes on into Syria, of course, is that children don't have an opportunity to go to school. They're almost robbed of an opportunity for education. You've had a lot of resources and a lot of your effort going into the progress of the school. You mentioned that there's still a shortfall of funds. Uh, How much do you need to complete the school to give those children that opportunity to have an education? Yeah, well, the, the school um, building um, is uh, 16,000 square foot buildings. So it's quite a large, in fact, one of the largest buildings in the, in the small um, su- uh, suburb that we're in. Um, and it, uh, we're only $50,000 short uh, for a building uh, the school. So we've come a long way. I think the, the total cost is um, on our part is in about three hundred and or three hundred thousand dollars, a little over three hundred thousand dollars. So, yeah, we're we're just so thrilled that you know God has provided us funds this far to, to get to this point. So, yeah, just a just a short way to go. I noticed on your latest newsletter release, there's a photo of a little boy with a beaming smile on his face and in his hands. He's holding a plastic bag that has within it a school uniform. Uh, that is a very, very proud young man who's holding that uniform. How important is it to have those sorts of facilities for children in that region? I mean, I think we can all agree that children are the future of any country, any any um, nation, you know, that investing in children and in education uh, giving them hope, giving them uh, their childhood to form and grow and, be- and become uh, citizens that uh, will lead the nation in the future is so important. I mean, we might not be able to change the way the adults um, that have suffered tremendously, that have you know had to uh, endure years and years of hatred and violence back and forth, especially in this region. But but hopefully we can believe. Uh, that there is an opportunity for us to instill life and love and um, and a learning um, experience for these children where they can um, put the, the issues of the past behind them and hopefully change a nation. So for us, yes, I mean, seeing joy and laughter on a child's face is everything you want to see you, um, coming out of Iraq. And it is happening. It's happening all over the place. These people are... Uh, loving these children, and, and so yeah, you're right. You took the nail on the head there. So important that education. It's so important that that uh, children are one of the primary focuses of of, of who we help and in, in this region. You mentioned that you're only hours away from the city of Mosul, currently under ISIS control in northern Iraq. 
Tell me about what you know about the church in Mosul because uh, there's some very old historic churches that stand there. Uh, Is it possible for Christians to continue to function by way of having a common time of worship together uh, each week? Uh, What do you know about the church in Mosul? Uh, In Mosul, the city itself, um, I've I've every reason to believe that there are um, no Christians, if there are, they're uh, doing a tremendous job at um, at being, you know, secret about their faith. Many of the churches uh, um, were were bombed and destroyed um, by ISIS when they went into the actual city of Mosul. There are a few very historic churches that are surrounding the region that are not under ISIS control. In fact, I get the privilege to visit a church monastery that was built in the 4th century, um, the year 361, I think it was, so incredibly old. Um, monastery, and we did meet with the bishop, um, and and it was just a sweet time seeing and hearing him. And they do hold regular services there um, at at the at the monastery, um, and uh, it's a precious time. They're also housing Christian um, Christians that have fled from from the Mosul region um, in 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 their monastery in in some of the rooms and homes there. So. Uh, yeah, there's definitely um, a hope and a prayer that um, once liberated, these Christians will be able to return home. Um, this is a, it's an ancient heartland for the Christian faith and for, for uh, the Assyrian and Chaldean Christian ethnic people as well. And so we don't want to see them um, disappear from this region. It's, uh, they're an integral part to the tapestry and, and, and make up of the people here in, in Iraq and And Tim, there's other conflicts that are going on and from Australia it's difficult to understand how they all work Uh, but there are Kurdish uh, forces, Peshmerga uh, who are in conflict also with Turkey Uh, what can you tell us about that conflict that's going on? Yes, you know, uh, there's there's a, like you said, it's a a complicated thing there's even within the Kurdish um, uh, even when you say the word Kurd, you, you have to almost identify which Kurds and from which region. Are they Syrian Kurds? Are they Turkish Kurds? Are they uh, even in, within the Peshmerga? There's um, you know Syrian Kurdish fighting forces which currently are being armed and, and supported by the U.S. in their fight against ISIS. Um, Turkey has not always played a very friendly role. Um, it has its own regional interests. Um, and so, yeah, there often has been clashes. I know that, that currently there's quite a strong uh, war between a, a Kurdish, um, you could say, rebel group called the PKK. And they've been at war uh, essentially with Turkey, fighting for their own free, free land within Turkey. Uh, Kurds actually is about uh, almost close to 25 million um, Kurds that are living inside of Turkey that are uh, essentially would love their own homeland. So the tensions are very real. Like you said, they're complicated, um, and sometimes they, you know, um, Kurds and 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 uh, Kurdish armed forces can be seen as a more of an enemy to Turkey than ISIS itself. So uh, it's definitely a region that's 
uh, needs prayer. Um, and and as more and more battles to take back land from ISIS happen, the aftermath of who controls the regions and which forces are in control is a real big issue here. And so that's another thing to be praying into, and that uh, there would be a, a real you know peace settling agreement that would take place. We will be watching this space with interest because the liberation of Mosul and what will come along with that, as you say, uh, potentially another million refugees to likely flee from Mosul. Many of those will make their way towards Kurdistan. Uh, All of the conflicts that are going on, so, so complicated uh, in the entire Middle East, but throughout Syria, northern Iraq, and as you mentioned, uh, the different brands of Kurds, uh, some of those armed and in conflict also with Turkey. But let me point people to the website, and uh, the website where you can get up to date with what's happening with Tim Buxton and his family, flickerflame.org, flickerflame.org, And, of course, there is that fundraising that's going on to complete a school project so that children there in Kurdistan uh, and refugee children will have an opportunity to have an education. And I think uh, the shortfall there, somewhere in the vicinity of $75,000. Great talking to you, Tim. Thank you so much for sharing your insights once again with us. Flickerflame.org is the website. Tim, thanks for being with us on 2020. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Neil. God bless. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.